Welcome back to Hill Country Institute Live, exploring Christ and culture. I'm Larry Leningschmidt, your host, and we're delighted you were with us today. We serve the body of Christ by encouraging and equipping followers of Jesus Christ to live fully and share His winsomeness, beauty, and reason. We invite you to visit our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, to listen to past programs, which are also available on your podcast app as Hill Country Institute Live. Audio and video from past conferences on faith, faith, faith and culture issues are available there as well, along with presentations on the works of C.S. Lewis and the Inklings. Some of the speakers include William Lane Craig, Alistair McGrath, Andy Crouch, Jonathan, Dutz, Jonathan Dodson, and many others. We also ask you to consider a donation to support this program. You can donate through our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, or by calling 512-680-7993. That's 512-680-7993. If you'd like to sponsor this program, uh, please contact us. The radio stations are certainly our friends, but they like to be paid to host the program. And so let's welcome back our special guest today, Peter Brown. Peter Brown, thank you again for being with us. We welcome you back to Hill Country Institute Live. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Peter, we were talking about uh, Quaker thought and Quaker uh, history and, and the important role that, that Quakers played in, in fighting slavery. Uh, you've written a book with other Quakers that I mentioned earlier, Right Relationship, Building a Whole Earth Economy. And you, you had several uh, co-authors. You and, you and Jeffrey Garver uh, co-edited it. But let's, let's think about this term, right relationship. What, what does that mean in, in, uh, in, in Quaker parlance, if you will? You know, that's, um, let me think about the question, the question just a little bit. Um, so George, George Fox was the founder of, of the Quaker faith, and um, he, he felt, uh, you know, that, that the, uh, the religious experience was a, uh, a direct awareness of being in the, in the presence of the sacred. Um, and and he, he got into not a, a fair amount of trouble by by um, basically taking on the Church of England at the time, which which he thought was uh, diverting people from right relationship from from a the direct contact with with the spirit. And so uh, when we contemporary Quakers like myself and and Jeff Garver, you know, we're we're, we're we're speaking of, of wanting to be in a in a clear relationship with our our, our Earth community um, that is not encumbered by um, false ideas such as those found in in economics, which we've talked about in the, in the previous um, time that we spoke. Um, so so we're we're um, to to be a, in right relationship with the Earth is to be caring for the Earth, to to be caring about the Earth, and to be caring about. Our, our other um, both plants and animals, but also, of course, to care about uh, the well-being of, of other humans. And I, I, um, I my my father was a um, was as I think I've mentioned before, I taught at Union College, and, and but he was also in the chaplain training corps in World War II. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I remember from being quite a young boy was that he was very uh, taken by the. The incident, which came to be known as the Four Chaplains incident, incident when when a uh, U.S. A troop ship, I believe, was was hit by a, I believe, a, a German torpedo, and yeah. the ship sank, and the four chaplains uh, gave their life jackets to other people, and all four of them were killed. 
uh, and they were saying they drowned, right? And that, that impressed me about very, it still impresses me, with almost tears come to my eyes when I think about that um, as, as a, an example of what Christianity requires, in a way. Right? It, it is, Christianity is not a, not a fun game, in a way, right? It, it, it requires a lot of us. Sure. And, and we, need, we need to be, you know, um, mindful of, of, of that, that, that this is, um, there, there are strong obligations of duty that come with Christianity. And, and that, in, in, of course, that in a way is what Jesus does, right? He take, takes responsibility for the whole thing. And so that, that's been a very big factor in how I think, even though those, that happened now a very long time ago when I was maybe... I can remember maybe eight or nine years old. Um, yeah, but there's another another example from World War War II was Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and and he mm-hmm. he echoed what you're saying. His his famous quote is, "When Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die," and that's that sense of self sacrifice, isn't it? Yeah. So, so the yeah. So we we are in a um, and, and from that self sacrifice comes, in my view, at least a kind of sacredness, right? And and something that we that we where we that we not only want to do but we have to do. And that's you know what Jeff and I wrote wrote right relationship and, and the others there were other other people who were who contributed who were mentioned in, in the book um, you know that that's a, a call basically to get back to the fundamentals and and to think about really what we're doing in a in a in a critical open minded way and, and to find out that what we're doing really doesn't make a whole lot of sense you know it's it's um, it's it's so there's so much um, dogma coming from uh, from the discipline of economics. Um, that is that is you know confusing uh, us about what our what our really our duties are. Hmm. Sure, yeah. Well, in, in in Genesis, we're we're called to be stewards of God's good creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to think about the least among us, and yep. you know wherever wherever you are in the world, it's generally the poor who suffer from from the ecological problems. And then how how are we setting up flourishing or lack of flourishing for for future generations? This is. Yep. This is all part of uh, what we're, what we need to be thinking about, isn't it? Yeah. So, so the, how this plays out in the in the programs that you've asked me about is, is that we're we're trying to, uh, in succeeding to some extent, to educate people who who can think about economics and about the future of society outside the box of neoclassical economics, and and that that it's our view that that the uh, the universities, including um, McGill, uh, teach something that is just plain not true. And that that this is um, something you know which is a, a great public uh, disservice um, because you know it isn't that the economy is embedded. I mean, it's not that just can't be debated. Right? <laughs> I mean, when you get when you buy a car, you don't get the idea of a car; you get a car, right? So right, yeah. It's sort of a, it's, it's so obviously wrong that it's almost comical um, how, how backward it is. And and we you know we we definitely we take on uh, the, the economics profession directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we offer an alternative to it. So um, I, I have a little a little joke I like to tell. It is that when I give a talk, if I'm giving a talk, I say you know you really you really should um, <clears throat> anybody who's interested in economics should come to to, to, to Canada and 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 take uh, take economics there. Not because what we teach is any different. It's just that's a lot cheaper, right? And so you're being misled at a lower price, right? So you should really rethink <laughs> this. <laughs> so. It's it's a bargain then. Huh? Right, still being misled, but it just doesn't cost so much. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, when we when we think of nature and right relationship, and the issues that we face today, what are what are some of those those issues? How would you 
explain to someone, you know, that, that it's not economically or environmentally literate or doesn't see that, how do, how do these things tie together? What are some of those big issues that are, that are a concern to you as you observe uh, the planet that we're, we're traveling through space on? One of the things that I found to be astonishing once I got into this, uh, when I'm thinking about higher edu- how, high, what, how higher education imperils the future, uh, I've written a little article on that I, with that title, actually, I can send it to you, um, mm-hmm. is that it, uh, we're, we're telling people things um, that aren't true in, in economics, so in, in other, other disciplines as well. And, and so we, 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 we say, you know, in, in, the, um, uh, in the 20th century, there were massive uh, uh, improvements in the understanding of of the place of the human in the in the universe. Very very exciting work, and and uh, that that came came through really strongly after World War II. But um, so so we we really have a duty to understand that narrative, um, which I, I don't find um, in, in in certain details it's it's different than than the creation narrative. But but it doesn't overturn religious belief. Uh, it, it's, um, it's a way of thinking that's got a lot of um, momentum behind it, obviously. But it's not the only way of thinking. And one, one of the uh, things that's, that's happened is that we now understand, I think, religious experience itself a lot better than we used to. Um, and and um, the way, way I think about that is there's some, there's some neuroscience on this, which we could talk about maybe in another conversation, but... But when, when we have a religious experience, a sense of wholeness and joy and uh, connectedness with things, right, that's a form of cognition. Right? That, that's not some sort of crazy, dumb thing. Right? That's a way of experiencing the reality of how we are in the universe. Sure. Right? We're connected. So there is no, in some, in some sense, there is no such thing as a thing. Everything is a relation of some sort or another. Mm-hmm. And religious experience, which people can have, and many, many people have them, I have them, so forth, Simply reveals the truth of our embeddedness. Sure, yeah. Da- Dallas Willard, for one, has written well on that on that concept. He he's um, he, when he was alive, he was a, a teaching partner with Richard Foster, well known uh, Quaker writer on spiritual formation, yeah. and they would they would echo what you're saying. Yeah. So I don't think we should we should we should, we don't need to sideline religion in in the in the face of the scientific revolution. We we should we should be basically embrace it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think there are people who do that, and, and um, you know, it's a it's a joyous it's a joyous experience. Um, aren't we lucky that we have it? Sure. Oh yeah. Well, it it, it would seem to me that uh, the the more we understand of science, the more we understand of the hand of the Creator, and yeah, there's nothing exactly. to fear. Uh, only only an increased understanding. But uh, I used to teach yeah. with a colleague that whenever religion would come up, he would just kind of like throw a little tantrum in our bed. Well, this is all nonsense, and, you know, it brings on war and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, we really can't go on with this, you know, because this, the understanding of religion is a, sci- is a scientific matter. It can be understood like a lot of other things, maybe not completely. But, but to say, well, I'm not going to think about religion is, is, is unscientific. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, when you, when you think of the, of the environment and physical issues, what are what are a few of the things that are happening to the planet now that that concern you the most? Well, certainly global warming. I mean, that's that's the big one, and that, if that doesn't get tackled, that's that's kind of the ballgame. Um, and um, you know, also the size of the human population um, is too large, um, and it's um, and then people think, well, that 
and, and it's too large actually in, in the wealthy countries like Canada and the U.S. because consumption per capita is very high. Um, and so that that's, you know, we really, we can't, the planet, I don't think we can in any way we can engineer uh, the planet to work with, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 billion people consuming lots like we do. Um, it's just, not just biophysically, I don't think it can work. Um, so we can we can certainly moderate some of the consequences of it, but somehow it has to be has to be addressed. And and you know I, I think in in a lot of ways that that's not a, a bad message. Yeah. Well, and and the other side of uh, global warming is ocean acidity. Have you um, considered yeah. that issue? Yes. Yes. It's another big problem. I mean, about um, even the ability um, of of animals that have to you know have to form crust in order to live right that's that's difficult now because the ocean's a little bit too acid for that and um and then there's you know the war- warming of the ocean in terms of um you know sh- shifted it, the whole uh, lobster um, industry and i hate to use the word industry in re- respect to a, a living thing but the whole lobster fishery slightly better news word i guess is shifting north uh, shifting into canada from maine actually um, so, you know, this is causing a, a lot of social and economic disruption. Um, but, um, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, another, it's another big problem. And it's a byproduct of climate change, of course, because it's, it's, it's a lot of the, um, you know, the change in the acidity of the ocean is soaking up of, of um, carbon dioxide. So um, excess carbon maybe be a more accurate way of putting that. But um, so... That that certainly those are the two, I guess the two I mean the the, the um, and they're they're linked you know, we we sh- we should um, that that definitely need to address uh, global you know global warming directly by changing the technologies that we use but we need we should couple that in my view with with um, you know a very uh, transparent form of, of, of family planning and in, in particularly in in the wealthy countries. Mm-hmm. Do uh, do do. Uh you see problems with uh, air pollution and, and other uh, forms of pollution playing a, playing a role in our ecological. Um, in, in the in the, let's see, what would be the right word in our developing ecological issues? Yeah, they're 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 incredibly important, and and um, you know the, what, one of the paradoxes of the pandemic is that the air pollution has been vastly reduced in lots of lots of places, including here in Canada. Um, so, yeah, that's and that's had that will have and already has probably at some level have very beneficial health effects because many people have their lives shortened by by living in bad air, which is pretty prevalent in a lot of the cities in North America. Sure. So, well, now, um, uh, you know, one of the, one of the issues that uh, that people have is is they they question the data and. The things that that you've written about that that would also include deforestation and uh, the agricultural practices and creating dead zones in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, overfishing because of the population growth. I mean, these these are are how how do you trust that data? Why do you trust that data? Why do you believe it's true? Well, I mean, and to some extent, I experience again. I experience one one of the one of the matters that um, that these are, these climate models predict is that there will be um, migration of of um, ticks, let's say, north, 
um, from from let's say Alabama or someplace where they would have been now, maybe 150 or 100 years ago. Now they're here. They're in Canada. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I get I like to work in the woods. Right? Uh, I get bitten by ticks right? all the time. <laughs> right? I don't I don't need to read it in a book. <laughs> so, so there's a re- physical got, reality. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the uh, you know you can you know the massive um, in Canada again. I mean it's a massive. Well, I believe the photos of, of the tar sands and how massive they are and how, how destructive they are. And I was just barely escaped having another big one um, by, by this, what I was referring to earlier. <clears throat> so these things are really happening, and they're, they're physical events. They're, they're, there's no, no getting around. And, and the, the winters have changed. I mean, they're very different than they used to be. And in Texas, I, my, my understanding is at least extremely hot in the summer now, much hotter than it used to be. Is that is that true? My, uh, my understanding is that our average daily temperature in Texas throughout the state is two and a half degrees higher now than it was in the 70s. And mm-hmm. in cities like Austin, Texas, it's over three degrees hotter. Yeah. yeah. So so that, that correlates with increased death rates and, 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 and bad health effects yeah. generally. Sure. So um, yeah, it's right in front of us in a way. Um, and, and, the you know, the uh, unfortunate pollution of the ocean with the plastic junk of all kinds, that, that's another thing that's empirically well demonstrated. So, um, I mean, I wish <clears throat> deeply in my heart that this wasn't happening, but it is. So. Yeah, it's a reality, isn't it? Yeah, so, and, and we need to really turn ourselves to caring for this planet. And, and I, I would like to mention, just briefly if there's time, that um, the leadership of the Ecozoic Program <clears throat> a prep project is based a lot on the, on the work of, of Thomas Berry, and, uh, you know, he has this <clears throat> wonderful sentence um, where he says, the world is not a collection <clears throat> of objects, but a communion of subjects. Mm. Um, when I first read that sentence, I, I couldn't really imagine quite what he was saying, but now I realize it's actually true. Right? So when I, I'm going to go outside after we've talked, and I'm going to walk around, and I'm going to hear birds t- um, chirping and, you know, doing whatever they're doing. And so there is a, you know, life is, is full of communication across species. And, and the notion that it's only humans who think or only humans who care and so forth and so on is just not true. What's the evidence that a, a tree can think? Okay, plant a sugar maple near your septic tank, and you'll find out. What happens? Its roots go over to the septic tank, and then they they basically, after a while, they choke off your septic tank. Right? So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you can't get the message. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we we don't have sugar maples here, but we've we have other trees that'll do the same thing. So the, right. the message so, is, is clear. So so the notion that it's only humans that are that have you know these cognitive capacities is just not true. And, and the other other um, animals, um, plants. So I don't know. They have. Um, what I don't know if they plant have feelings. I, I don't know whether I could back that up, but certainly plants are, have intelligence. And, and the other animals, the non-human animals, as Darwin pointed out in 1873 or so, uh, have emotions. Yeah. Right? So, so the, the object, you know, the notion that the world is still is us, and then it's full of, of these other things that are, that are not thinking and not, not have real organisms, just not, not true. Yeah. So, uh, and and it's what, what's remarkable about it is once you hear that sentence and you take it on board for a bit, you can't, you know, it changes your whole view of the world. Sure. Well, what, what will the world be like in 2050 or maybe 50 years from now if we don't act and don't, uh, you know, think through these things carefully and, and take appropriate action? What can we expect? 
Well, I remember, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that I'm, this uh, article um, about hothouse earth is a, is a really, really extremely well-done piece of research. And it, it, it basically says that, that if we don't get a handle on this quite quickly, you know, it, it will, Earth will become uninhabitable to, to creatures like you and me. I mean, not to, maybe not in the deep sea or other places, or, but um, it'll just be... Um, I mean, one, one image, I, I'm working on a, on a book now that'll probably go to the University of Toronto Press, but, um, I, you know, I, I, entitle, I entitle it uh, two, two Earths, right, because we have a choice right now. We can, we can choose to, you know, to try to get off this uh, track of, of it big being just plain too hot, um, or, or it can get too hot. And then I say, in that case, it will be, it'll rotate, uh, it'll, it'll circle around the sun for probably several billion years. I don't know exactly when the sun is supposed to blow up, but, um, and, but, the choice that we can make is: will it will it be the emerald planet full of life and, and joy, or will it be a rock with no life? That's the choice that's in front of us. Yeah. Well, and and immediately we're we're facing biodiversity loss because things are happening so fast that the uh, animals of all sorts are, are can't adapt. So. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the lobsters, and they've moved north. The codfish have moved north. So Maine has lost a lot of its fishery. Uh, and Alaska had to shut down its uh, cod fishery early this year because of the impact of, of uh, heat. So so these things are happening to us now, aren't they? Yes, yes, and we really have to, to act. And I, I don't. I fear that, well, I'm wondering if we'll have the political leadership that's needed. Mm-hmm. But but that's but that's the role of the church, right? It is and the people of faith. It is not not to accept what's being offered, but to insist, you know, that that these obligations that we have, that, that Jesus had obligations, he, which he accepted, right? That that we have obligations. We we had the, the the four chaplains had obligations, right? That these are yeah. these are not burdens. These are opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our our opportunity then is to speak. As, as you said earlier, how, what was the what's the Quaker phrase? Speak uh, truthfully and clearly. Clearly and directly, or yeah, there are lots of things that are sort of like that. Any one of them will do. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, plain speaking is another another one. Just uh, you know, just describe it as it is, as you see it. it. Doesn't mean that you're right. Just say it as you see it. Then, and then if somebody else can c- correct you and you see it differently, great. That's what the conversation's for. Yeah, but you but you see both uh, the, the the physical things that are happening in your area such as the ticks coming in that, that weren't there before, and, and you see what's happening with fisheries. Those are, those are observable things. Um, mm-hmm. If you go a little further north, you can see the glaciers have shrunk so much. Uh, yeah. So the, these, are, the, these aren't uh, postulations. These aren't projections. These are, these are physical observed realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you put the, the observed realities with the projections, uh, you're, you're, you're concerned, uh, if, mm-hmm. I, if I hear correctly. Is that right? Well, concerned is too neutral a word. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm discouraged, but I'm also resolute. Right? I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to um, stop working, trying to to educate the students that I'm very fortunate enough to work with. Yes. To be uh, change agents, to be to stand up and to speak clearly and directly, and that's that's what they do. Good. So, well, um, uh, I'm lucky. To, I'm lucky to be able to do it. Yes. Well, I, I, I wish you every success, you and your students, as you're, as you're preparing the next generation, because the problems are very real. Uh, they're quantifiable. 
they're they're not surprising us now. They're 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 happening in, in so many ways as projected, and we can see it. So I, I I wish you every success with your your program, and I wish every success to your students as as they head out to do the type of work that you're preparing them for. So Peter, thank you, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate your insights, your wisdom, and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time and and this wonderful conversation. Thank you. Okay. Great, Peter. How did that uh, go from your point of view? Look okay. Oh, I think I think so. It's hard. It, it's hard to know, you know what how what people hear, and you spoke the truth. And uh, you know we we didn't get into too much of uh, you know a world government thing, which which I think would be heard incorrectly. Some people will just tune it out because it sounds, uh, you know, like 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 a, a liberal plot. I hear that so much, you know. It's just the left trying to take over. But there's nothing we said that was leftish or rightish to me. We were talking observable reality and concern. We do have world government anyway already. It's the, uh, it's the, 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 the trade system. Yeah, pretty much is, isn't it? You know, uh, we, we see that here with the uh, EPA cutbacks during the time of the coronavirus. It's like, well, the coronavirus is... More, you're more susceptible to it if we have pollution. Okay, so let's have more pollution. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to get into that, but but that's exactly what it is. So so I think our, our our leadership is aware that oil and gas may be declining, but they still have you know tremendous resources, and the fossil fuel industry's got a lot of money to spend, and and somebody's beholding to it. And I, you know you, you know who I mean. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure. Right. Peter, thank you again for this good word on helping us to think through how economics and environmental stewardship, caring for God's good creation, relate to each other, how they intersect, and how they should intersect. To our audience, thank you for being with us today. I hope you'll visit our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, to listen to podcasts of our previous programs, and on your podcast app is Hill Country Institute Live. We have audio and video from past conferences on faith and culture issues, including work, science, and art, and topics of concern such as creation care and fighting human trafficking. Your financial support means so much to us, it allows us to stay on the air. You can donate at hillcountryinstitute.org or calling 512-680-7993. That's 512-680-7993. For donations of $100 or more, we have a copy of Right Relationship, Building a Whole Earth Economy, edited by Peter Brown and Jeffrey Garver. Thank you again for being with us for Hill Country Institute Live. We encourage you to share the love and wisdom of Jesus Christ wherever God calls you. 